You're listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, James Nola, and welcome to episode 53, The Bible's Impact on Writing. Hi, everyone. I'm James Nola. I'm Martin Detweiler. I'm Lori Scott. And I'm Deus Lamb. And today, we're discussing how reading the Bible can influence what stories we decide to tell and help us deepen our themes as we engage with Scripture. We're talking about how God's Word can inspire us as writers who work for the glory of God. So, let's dive into our first question for today. What verses from the Bible have had the biggest impact on you as a storyteller? Well, there's so much in the Bible that you can draw on, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But for me, it's it's a series of verses, and it's the story, um, a well-known story in John, I believe, about the little boy with his loaves of fish and his bread that he shared. And it reminds me, you know, he thought he had nothing to offer. He thought he had so little to give. Um, But what he did have, he offered. And it's always reminded me the same way as writing. Like I look at all the amazing writers out there and all the talented people. And I think all I've got to offer is this fish and this loaf of bread. Surely God wouldn't want to use that or even have that. But being willing to take that and say, this is what I've got, God, what can you do with it? And I've discovered through that process that God is, he's just full of surprises. That's the first thing. And the second thing is he has a sense of humor. (laughs) So um, it never ceases to amaze me some of the things that I write and send out. And I think, well, maybe nothing's come of it. Just the other day on Instagram, I heard from someone who had found one of the children's books that I had written and wrote me a letter. Those books have been out of publication for a number of years, and yet someone still had found value from that. And another woman wrote me a poem that I had written and posted someplace, and I didn't think too much about it. But uh, she wrote me and said it had such a powerful impact on her life. And I'm just flabbergasted when I meet people. and I'm like, really? That was good? Okay, well, yay. But that story from the Bible reminds me, you know, my little loaf of bread, my little fish, give it to God because he will do things with it and great things if you give it willingly. That wasn't one of the, the verses that initially came to mind, Lori, but now you mentioned that similar ideas from the Bible did shape me in that way. And actually, there's this isn't the Bible, but there's a guy commenting on it. You might have heard of the, the Pineapple series or the Pineapple story. There's a book, but the guy also has an audio series where he talks about the same story and other stories. There's a missionary, um, I think, to Papua New Guinea. And uh, he just goes through all sorts of stories of things he learned that God taught him on the mission field. And one of the biggest ones that he talks about in just about every single talk is just giving things over to God to not hold them close and feel like he has to have things a certain way, but to, to let God be in control of everything in his life. And that was really 
hard hitting for me because I definitely <laughs> have that tendency to hold on to things and want them just so. But um, it's been good to remind myself in, in prayer when I remember to say, God, I need you to teach me to write. I, I can learn it from some other places, but I want your blessing in it. And you're the greatest storyteller ever to just pray that he would use it rather than feeling like I'm going to make an impact because I'm going to be a great storyteller. Well, God's the one who gives the increase, and, uh, not me. So things like that. In fact, <laughs> you convicted me because I haven't prayed that in, uh, I don't know how long, not forever, but at least this month, I don't think I've done so. So thanks for the reminder. You talked about prayer, and that is another important aspect that um, I forget to mention. But I remember struggling a little bit thinking, gosh, you know, God, I am going to say yes to everything you bring my way. And just at the beginning of this year, I had so many yeses that I was just like, oh, how am I going to get all of this done? And my critique group friend reminded me that you can't do these things through your own strength. It is through God. And so if you need a story, you pray for that story. You mentioned prayer. You pray for that story and, and you wait on God for that. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to sit around and do nothing. That's irresponsible. But there's a certain relief in saying, okay, God, I know I need to write this story and I need words. You know words. You created the world with words. You can use words. So give me the words that I need to use. And so far I found that, uh, yeah, he's answering prayer. I have to say, this is a difficult question for me because it's like every part of the Bible influences my worldview in a little bit, you know, and when you put it all together, it points in the direction that has really influenced my desire to write stories and my process. But um, I was just sitting here thinking and listening to these lovely folks share this, how the Bible has impacted their writing. And I was reminded of the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, which after going through basically every arena of life and saying, it's all meaningless um, without God, essentially, the preacher, the author of Ecclesiastes, ends the whole book with saying, the end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And um, that kind of sums up my approach to writing and it has influenced me in writing in that whatever I do, whether it be write the next bestseller or write a book that sells five copies, my duty as an author, as a writer, as a Christian is to fear God and keep his commandments. And beyond that, what I do, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it's that's my primary duty. And it's somewhat similar to the verse in Corinthians that says, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, let it be to the glory of God. Essentially, the point I'm trying to make is that the Bible very clearly points to my duties is obedience to God and living by faith. And if I'm doing that, then I'm doing well. So applying that to my writing, then it's not that it's simple, but it simplifies things to be able to return to something very basic and very uh, central to, to my identity. There's been something on my mind recently, and I'll just use this as an opportunity to dump it all on you. Uh, Not spin this verse, I think it's in James, where he says, let not all of you desire to become teachers, for we will incur the greater judgment. And I know um, 
it seems like he's probably talking about something like a pastor and such in that context. But there's some sense in which those who teach, those who lead in any context are more responsible. And I'm just an artist, but at the same time, my art has meaning to it. It is a way of, um, Andy Wilson has a great quote. I think he says novels are catechisms for our imaginations is what he says. And so I'm catechizing people in the way they should imagine, feel, in the natural responses they want to make when given certain situations like the characters they've read and idolized. And so I want to take a lot of responsibility for that. And so that's made me think, you know, maybe when we get this feeling like we need to be a writer, maybe God's called me to be a writer, maybe the second thought should come into our heads is maybe God wants me to be a writer, but maybe I should also be cautious. Maybe this isn't the time to go big. Or maybe I should think, what is the story that I am qualified to write that I'm not going to be terrified? Boy, am I misleading people here. And just focus on being planted in, in a community that's going to help you grow. I'm thinking, you know, if I wasn't in a good church that really taught the whole Bible, would I really be equipped to be a writer? And I think maybe I could write some stories, but by and large, I would not be as equipped. So I think having a great church is just so important to being a writer. And, and more things, um, you know, just having people who will pray for you or with you, daily Bible reading, just the, you know, the basics that people talk about as far as their Christian life. Those are important to being a writer. And I think if you're not having those, it may be time to sit back and think, well, is my writing really going to be that gold that survives? Or is it going to be the stubble that's burned up in the fire? Is, is it going to last? Is it going to have any value once I get to heaven? And uh, if not, if you're not sure, focus on your life as a whole and, and just be more grounded in the word and prayer and surrounded by a, a strong community. So that's just been something that's on my mind. And thank you all for listening. <laughs> it's been great to finally get it off my chest. I love it. It's great. It's a lot of food for thought there. So maybe we've been talking a bit about verses that have kind of inspired us big picture becoming writers or how we write. I'm wondering for each of you if there's any sort of verses or, or stories from the Bible that have in shape the types of stories you want to tell and the themes and such. Now this I can definitely jump on and it'll give you a, a hint at the age level I'm considering writing towards, but things like the book of Judges. <laughs> Uh, which have a lot of really epic stories that are full of, well, a lot of times they're full of violence, but they're also full of the recurring uh, goodness of God towards his people, preserving them despite unfaithfulness. There's a lot of many, I guess, common Christian themes that show up in a lot of stories, but it's all laced against the backdrop of a lot of really dark, horrendous evil. And that honestly is is kind of not an inspiration, but at least it definitely gives me a a bit of a template to follow in treating very mature gruesome topics with tact and in in a way that's going to engage the reader but not you know drag them through the mud but really end them on the note of positivity of going through the dark trial of facing 300,000 Amalekites and yet have only having 300 people on your side and and yet God turns it to your own or to, to victory like with Gideon and I'm just now thinking whether or not it was Amalekites or not. But regardless, um, against impossible odds, God works his victory. And it's not man's victory. 
at every point, like every one of the judges, the way they preserve God or, or the way they save God's people, it's never by man's works. You know, you have one guy pick up a, a jawbone and kill, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of people, but that's not, that's not, um, yes, he is the one killing all those enemies of God's people, but the only way he's doing that is is by the strength of God and, and by the spirit of God upon him. And so it's it is him doing the work, but it's a, it's a miracle nonetheless. Yeah, I just find the book of Judges to be really rich in that um, in the vein of storytelling. I aspire to write where it doesn't shy away from the dark stuff, but it definitely shows God's fingerprint all on it. I think for me, the Christian worldview will seep into just about anything that I do. It is really hard for me not to have an outlook of hope, and I think in any story that's got to be an important element. There are so many verses in the Bible that speak to hope, that speak to making mistakes and having relationships restored. How does it not influence you? As long as you have those words in you, they are going to work. That's one of the magical things about words. You know, the closest thing (laughs) that you have to actual magic in the world is that they do change your thinking and they do change your life. And in the end, they do change your story. Yeah, I've gathered inspiration from from all sorts of places in the Bible. In fact, I think I like to say that my, my novels are kind of my sermon notes where I'll be listening to a sermon and halfway through I'll kind of lose focus because I'm, I'm kind of like interpreting the sermon into a story. But uh, at least I'm remembering it that way. I think, though, one of the things from the Bible, just all sorts of places, the theme that really stands out to me is just the character of God. Like, I think John, the Gospel of John, is probably my favorite book of the Bible because it presents Jesus so clearly. And I love that. And also just places throughout the Old and New Testaments, like when, when God calls Abraham to follow him. I just read that recently, and I was astonished. I'm like, Here's this guy who's just a random dude, and God's like, hey, listen, come follow me. I'm going to make you bless all nations, and this blessing, that blessing, I'm going to do these miraculous things through you. Come along. It's like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. That is just, God is astonishing. He, he just gives these amazing gifts. And I was reading Revelation recently. There's that quote from uh, Psalm 2 where it talks about um, Christ will rule the nations with a rod of iron. It talks about the church doing that, like being kind of God's minister doing that. I'm like, what? We're sharing the same authority, works, honor that Christ has? Like, this is not earned. This is not rational. And so I love the astonishing, irrational, irrational in air quotes, side of God that we see in the Bible. And uh, so I think that's drawn me to have more of what you might call theophany in my stories. Um, I'm kind of slowly building that in where. God is perhaps more of a direct character in my novels than you might have in, in certain other novels, uh, just because I'm attracted to that. I guess also just verses that relate to themes and struggles I might have in my own life or that I just relate to and interested in. I like stories about uh, how God is working in what seems to not make sense from a present perspective, kind of like what Martin was talking about. So those are some of the parts of the Bible that really have drawn me toward the stories I write. 
I'm kind of curious about what your favorite Bible verse is that may not necessarily be related to writing. Just what's your favorite verse? I'll start with mine while y'all are thinking. I love this verse. It's from Isaiah. It's Isaiah 30, 21. It's when you turn to the right or the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I love that. I can see you kind of saying that along with me. I love that verse because it's a great comfort in knowing that when I have decisions to make about any part of my life, including writing, I can rely on on that voice and listen for it. It took me a minute because I was trying to pick a favorite, but I think I'm going to just have to go with the book of Ephesians. It's a book that I did a lot of self-directed study several years ago back in high school for a something called the Bible Bee, which is a Bible or scripture memory and Bible study contest, I guess. I spent hours looking into the depths of the book of Ephesians, and it is a very, very rich book. It's got everything in it in just that one book, and uh, I, I really do love it a whole lot. Um, it, it is a bit hard for me to decide, of course. I, I thought, on the one hand, I, I have always loved that one verse that just really clearly lays out the basic gospel of um, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, because that's just astonishing and so clear and wonderful and hope-giving. But perhaps the verse that's stuck out to me most in recent years is, well, two or three verses. It's in John 17, Jesus's high priestly prayer. And where he says, um, he's praying for his disciples, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you love me. The thing I love most about that is just seeing God's and Jesus' abundant generosity and how their nature is giving and loving. This is just, I think, a picture of how, well, Paul says that marriage is the gospel, and I see this here. This is like a wonderful husband relating to his bride of that much love going on here, and how no husband wants to share everything with his wife. And I see here that Christ wants to share things with us, that he wants us to be one with each other, and with him and with the father to have some more tight relationship that he has with his father. And that he wants to share his glory with us to bring us into the excellence that he's earned, but that we can vicariously experience and appreciate that. And also his love, the same with that. So that is just something that I really look forward to experiencing more fully in the next life. That'll be great. I love that. My next question for you guys How can Christians use the Bible in order to deepen their fictional writing? I think for me, this goes back to the way that the Christian worldview always finds a way to work its way into my story. What Deus and Martin were talking about, their great familiarity with the stories of the Bible and the verses of the Bible and what that makes them think of and where they go with it. Um, That happens, too. In children's writing, it's easy to take a simple theme or idea, and you don't, it doesn't have to be 
an overtly Christian story to still get a Christian message across. But it does deepen your writing in that you, if you are writing for a general audience anyway, you have to find a way to make those principles and those ideas um, palatable to a mind who might be otherwise closed to those kinds of messages. Um, I was reading Deus's book, the song killer book that he mentioned, and I can see some of those elements coming out in what he's writing and see the parallels, whereas a general audience person might not see it. It is there. One thing I have only seen a glimpse of, but I've been told by people who know Greek and Hebrew and just study the Bible more than I have, is that the Bible itself actually has a lot of literary mastery. For instance, there's great parallelism in the Psalms. There is a lot of wordplay and fantastic satire in the prophets, the, the history books, and so on. Unfortunately, we miss some of that in our English translations, but you can get a lot of that just from paying attention and also from maybe reading theology books or, or such that go a little more in-depth into that. So you can literally just steal the, the stylistic techniques of the Bible. Um, but I think we've kind of explained as well that there are these verses that explain amazing things about how God works. And when you really latch on to one of those and it's important to you, that's probably a good sign you can write a great story off of that similar theme. I don't know about y'all, but anytime I read through the book of Proverbs, for every proverb, my mind immediately just makes up a whole situation to, to like demonstrate that particular aphorism. And I personally haven't specifically done this, but I can imagine if I were having some trouble thinking up any kind of a story, I could just flip through the Proverbs and just find one that just jumps out and use it as maybe it's the hook, maybe it helps inform the theme, maybe it helps me get to my central question that I'm going to ask with the story. But they're so succinct. They're so, I guess, very, very bite-sized bits of truth that if you just stick to that, you might end up with a moralistic tale. And we've seen plenty of those, and there are issues with that if you're trying to write fiction. Um, not if you're trying to tell you know, a story in Sunday school. Great for that. But everything has its place. And I think it would be a lot of fun to jump off from uh, a proverb or two, or even maybe find a theme of proverbs, uh, you know, cross-reference or word search, and collect all of them that are on that theme, and see the different facets that Solomon approaches that particular topic from, and and see what you can do. Maybe you know this proverb, you know, jumpstarts this character's arc, and then that other proverb attacks that same thing from a slightly different angle, and you and you throw that on somebody else's arc. And um, I feel like it would be a great way to just kind of tackle it based on uh, biblical wisdom. I know I had a lot of fun writing, specifically writing uh, like a, a fable in the, in the genre of Aesop's fables based on, um, I forget the precise proverb, but it was one of the ones about hoarding riches and wise men and foolish men. But anyway, it was a lot of fun because I was able to just kind of write a moral, a, a very black and white moral uh, retelling story fable. And um, it just got my creative juices flowing. It wasn't something I would do to seek publication, but it was a lot of fun. It stretched those muscles and I can 
see that turning into a um, with enough time and adding complexity. Is it turning into a very compelling uh, way to jumpstart your stories? For me, sometimes those Bible stories also uh, provide me with a, a moral principle that I can capitalize on or parallel. Uh, in the that book I have coming out inside the the 10-foot line, um, there's some parallels between the story of Joseph and his brothers and the broken relationship that they had and all the struggles that he went through. Um, and then that character coming back to that, you know, he could have done anything when his brother showed up in Egypt and he revealed himself to them, but he forgave them and he welcomed them to live with him. And, and that idea of, of a healed relationship that's so incredibly portrayed in that story is something that I can use as a springboard for what I'm trying to convey to my reader as well. I guess I would just want to issue a reminder that the Bible is itself a story that tells a very compelling narrative of paradise, fall, long, protracted suffering, and then redemption brought about through sacrifice. And that redemption comes about through the the darkest of dark moments conceivable, really, with the death of God, which is, you know, a, a horrendous concept in itself, but also a blessed and beautiful concept because of the context is that it's sacrificed and it brings about the redemption of humanity and not just humanity but of the universe itself which we have yet to experience in the fullest degree but as christians we've tasted that in our personal lives and we can look forward to that expanding to the whole entire world with the new heavens and earth coming and so the bible is a story we're part of that story as well and it's the most beautiful story Ever. It is, it is, it's history. It's, it's happening. <laughs> uh, so anything we make, as long as we're rooting ourselves in that superstructure of reality, I think uh, it'll be benefited the, the more closely we pay attention to those parallels with the real, the real world. Amen. Like that. Thank you guys for joining me on this episode. And thanks to all of you listeners who tuned in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Have a topic or question you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast? Email info at storyambers.org to let us know. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clarkson, Michael Stanton, and Renee Kennedy. And finally, join us again on September 19th as we discuss how sacrifice is the key to a meaningful story in the next episode of the Story Embers podcast.